each other through it Come on and see, good movement draws good movement Welcome to Good Movement Draws Good Movement, the podcast where farmers, ranchers, and rural folks can grow relationally through awareness, understanding, and effective communication. Hey, it's T. I'm your host, and I, along with my guests, will be covering topics related to drawing good movement. Things like self and social awareness, brain science, positive psychology, extending grace, and so much more. We'll share tools that can help you understand why you are the way you are, why others are the way they are, and how you can use that to step out of self-told lies with grace and compassion to draw good movement in conversations, relationships, and life in rural America. Let's go draw good movement. Welcome back to the Good Movement Draws Good Movement podcast. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to contain my excitement because today's guest is my favorite artist, songwriter, musician, Aaron Espy. Aaron Espy is still two Spanish courses short of his English degree. In 2004, he dropped out of college to begin touring as a singer-songwriter. After burning out from the road and being diagnosed with a severe anxiety and depressive disorder, he moved with his wife to Nashville, Tennessee to try to make it as a working songwriter. He served lattes at Starbucks to Taylor Swift. Okay, I got to stop at the Taylor Swift part. When she was buying <laughs> lattes at Starbucks, she surely wasn't causing the stir that she is today, right? No, this was like 2011. So she she was still big, but truth be told, I didn't actually know who she was the first time. But she still was you know, famous enough. People wanted autographs occasionally. Actually, in Nashville, people are pretty cool about not bothering celebrities. So, all that to say, no, she didn't, like, when she came in, she didn't cause a stir or anything, but it was also 2011. It's not, it's not 2023 post-Eras tour. <laughs> <laughs> so, at the same time you were serving lattes to Taylor Swift, you tuned pianos, and then you eventually signed a publishing deal in 2012. Aaron's songs have been recorded by prominent artists across multiple genres, while his solo albums have amassed nearly 1 million streams on Spotify, Apple Music, and have also been featured in numerous commercials and on this podcast. And probably like, I don't know, a half of those mil 100 million downloads are probably mine. <laughs> uh, you and my I'm, mom. I'm kidding, but I, I'm an avid streamer. Yeah, you and my mom. Aaron lives now with his wife, Heidi, and their four sons in East Nashville, Tennessee. His new book on songwriting, Practical Tips and Insights from a Decade in Music City, is due out in November. So it will be out by the time this airs. And fortunately, the book is not in Spanish. Yes. Fortunately for all of us. I intend to finish my two Spanish courses when I told my oldest son when he graduates or when he's in his senior year, I'm going to take my Spanish courses. <laughs> <laughs> Great plan. Yeah. So I've been a fan since the first time I heard you play, which was my best friend and I were on a trip to Nashville for a small business conference and being big fans of the television show, Nashville, Sheila, my bestie, got us tickets to the Bluebird Cafe where you were playing in the round. And it was an amazing show. And I basically became an Aaron Espy super fan. After that, I started using your music as sort of a soundtrack to my life and my Instagram stories. And I think that's how we internet met because I had tagged you. And huh. then... That makes sense. Yeah. So after my formal and informal introduction, would you like to tell us more about you and how you got where you are today? Thanks. I mean, it, it, internet friendship is just friendship these days. <laughs> it feels like I meet a lot of m my friends that way. And I feel like once I met you through Instagram, I think it was just realizing you in your own right are doing really cool things in the world. So also a fan of you and then fan of you and your husband. When I got to meet you this summer, I, I was really bummed because we met and I was like, we need to go out to dinner. And my wife's like, we have a babysitter we're supposed to get back to. <laughs> but okay, more about me and how I got to where I am. You know, it's it's a little bit like this past weekend, we were at an arcade. I was with my kids and we were playing the pinball machine. And I feel like, you know, saying 
figuring out how you got to where you are today is a little bit like trying to explain how you want. There's just like so many deflections and seemingly random things that happen that it's it's hard to say, oh, I did this thing and then I did this other thing and then it was a 42-step plan. Now I'm here. But I suppose kind of like pinball, it's like so much is out of your control and you just, you have the right button and the left button or you could just sit there. And so I feel like, you know, all that to say, especially in this music industry business, how I got here, I, I'm still trying to get to the next place. So I, I, it's really just, you know, making the best next decision I can make based on the information I have and my values. And, you know, a lot of it's, you know, related to you and your audience and this podcast of just aligning yourself with people who are going the same way you are or trying to be better people or align with your values. So that's all maybe too philosophical and ethereal. I'm trying to think of like a concrete example of of something that happened recently. But, you know, the music industry, there's no instruction manual. It's just like, it's probably like the podcasting industry. <laughs> it's like, well, you just start and then you, once you start, you have a lot of questions and then you try to find somebody who can answer those questions. And sometimes the internet can answer it and sometimes it's a human being. But I've been fortunate to just, you know, have a great partner, my wife, who now manages me. And the thing about music or doing anything creative, you, you sort of need, well, I would say you definitely need one champion because it gets too lonely if you're just trying to make something and you don't have one person close you can bounce ideas off of or who believes in you. I'm sure that's true with stuff you're doing. Remind me your husband's name. Tom. You know, meeting you two could tell you guys were a great team. So I feel having Heidi, my wife, and, you know, when a decision comes, like the latest one was a was a publishing question and it's like, do we sign over rights for this this past catalog basically songs of mine that that I currently own but do we sign them over so that we can get some money but less ownership or do we try to just go on our own and not take the money and so those kinds of questions are easier if you have somebody like my wife or a trusted partner so man yeah i'd say i'd say how i got here super super long answer to short question Heidi and finding some great friends along the way who have either been collaborators, yeah, collaborators, that's the word, or just friends in the industry who could share some wisdom. And, you know, actually at that show, Fred Wilhelm was one of those people. He was a writer. He's the one who invited me to play at the Bluebird with him. And he's a few year, years older and has been around a lot longer in the business. And so, he was somebody who just by hanging around him, you know, he gain wisdom and figure out ways of writing better or, or navigating the industry. So yeah, people, it's all people, people are trying to work hard. Yeah. Connections, people. And I don't mean like connections, but I mean like deep connection with mm -hmm. people that you can trust and will steer you in the direction you're supposed to go, I suppose. I don't want to say the yeah. right way because I don't necessarily think that there's always a one right way. No, I, I agree. But but you're right. They, they just kind of act like cushions, you know, within whatever boundary or wherever we're ending up. They're just kind of like nice little cushions that get you back on track or at least give you more insight into where you are at on your journey. So... I mean, th the music industry is a constant battling of inner demons, feeling like, oh, this is the year, like it all goes to pot and, or there's just so many ups and downs that, and it's not linear. It's not, for a while I thought, oh, I just need to stick at this. And then each year my income will get a little bit better. And then by a certain year, I'll just be like coasting. And then I realized, oh no, it's not like that. It's like this out of control S curve and you got to like ride the wave for as long as you can. And then when you are off it, you got to like 
be smart. And so, super similar to agriculture in that way. <laughs> yeah, my I'm from a farming family. Well, my mom's side, and it's I cannot imagine waiting on the rain or you know. Do you? I, I'm I'm curious. Do you take a certain amount of comfort in that? Like it's like like getting on an airplane. I wouldn't want to be flying the plane. I like getting on it just and knowing like you know if this thing goes down. I had nothing to do. <laughs> it was going down anyway. Um, do you find some comfort in not being in control of, you know, the rain or sun? Yeah, I do. I also strangely take a lot of comfort in knowing that, you know, like some people, this is getting off the topic, but on the topic of comfort, some people are really like, oh my gosh, our world is in shambles, which it is. But I take comfort in knowing that it's been in shambles for pretty much ever because we're humans and humans are faulty. Sure. Yeah. So that's strangely comforting to me that my generation, our generation isn't messing everything up. Yeah. It's like the that Wilco song. There's a lyric and I don't know, it might be taken from somewhere else, but Something along the lines of every generation thinks it's the end of the world. Something along those lines, like, mm -hmm. which I, you know, I can relate to. Oh, I have this question that I ask every guest because when I first started leaning into this idea of good movement that I had, that if, if you can communicate with livestock the way we do, that those same principles apply to communicating with humans. Like you have to be aware of yourself. You have to be socially aware. And then you have to recognize that you affect more than you think you do. And anyway, using all those, you can communicate with humans more effectively. Well, that is not the way one of my friends took it. She thought of good movement as bowel movement, which I was like, it still applies. The concept of good movement still applies because if you have to force it, it's not good, right? So now I ask every guest, when you first heard the phrase good movement, what came to mind before I told you about my big ideas around it? Wow. I would have remembered had I thought it was bowel movement. I would have been able to recall that. So it wasn't that. Good movement draws good movement. Good movement. I think just maybe I had been primed being an Instagram follower of yours and maybe subconsciously just like the stuff you're doing with livestock. That I knew it was gonna <clears throat> that it was gonna be not bowel movements. So, and I think it, it also was after we talked in where were we Rapid City that you approached me about the podcast. I think yeah. So I'm glad that you. This is great because that's where I was going next. I don't know if I told you the whole story, but I had this idea for this podcast like well over a year ago. And when I had the idea, I was like, oh, man, that would be so cool if I could get one of Aaron's songs to be music for the podcast. But mm. then in true Enneagram type nine fashion, I quickly fell asleep to that because like, you know, discomfort and all the things and like, who am I to have a podcast? Who would want to listen to me when there's other people saying similar things? All the, all the things. Well, then over the summer, you'd announced your living room tour. Which for those of you who don't know, Aaron's living room tour, it's a small venue, maybe someone's house, backyard, whatever. Well, I saw that you were playing in Rapid City and that's not very far from us. So I snatched up tickets and Tom and I went to a stranger's backyard and yeah. <laughs> heard you play. And it was so awesome. I mean, we finally got to meet in person. So that was awesome. The show was awesome. The storytelling behind your songs, like it was just great. And then after that, trip, I think it was like a few days after we got back, you had sent out to your email list that you were doing a new service, co-writing service. And impulsively, I hit reply to that email. And I was like, hey, I had this idea for a podcast a long time ago. And I was thinking it would be cool to have your music. And would you want to co-write this song? I explained more about good movement and all the things. A few emails later, you were working on the song. And I was like, oh, shit. 
<laughs> I probably need to create this podcast. So a song for an, a podcast that doesn't exist. Exactly. So I inadvertently lit a little fire under myself to get the podcast going after having been asleep to it. And it kind of this whole thing speaks to your pinball idea. Like you're kind of just like bouncing around. And then when you look back, the things that were seemingly random weren't actually random because also that weekend that we saw you play was the first weekend that I heard of the Enneagram and I used the Enneagram to teach this con well, I use the Enneagram to expedite self-awareness so that I can teach good movement. And uh. so it kind of all just fits together. So that's kind of a piece of the behind the podcast story that most people don't know. And since you wrote the song, the music for the podcast, would you mind giving us a little behind the music for that sure. song? Yeah, sure. And by the way, I'm such a fan of people who take action and I'm at Enneagram six. So my motivation for things is different than yours, but, but just taking action, you know, sending an email or not to over, uh, overkill this pinball metaphor, but just, just whatever you have to do to press that button once, because most people don't. Um, and then you just don't, can't play the game. You can't keep playing the game. So. Cool. Good on you. I'm glad you sent that email. So much of my work is the same. I just start working on something and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't work on a spreadsheet. I don't I have no idea why I'm doing it until, you know, a few years later, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But the music for the podcast, it started as you wanting to co-write a song, which I knew would be a lot different than what I was actually proposing. Because I was proposing people who are artists or songwriters wanting to just work together. So this felt more like commission work. And a lot of what I've done in the film and TV industry is more writing to briefs, which are not... <laughs> well, I don't know why when I say briefs, I always think of boxer briefs. I mean, it goes right along with the Good movement, bowel yeah, movement, it's, you know. It's, the, it's wherever your head's <laughs> But But brief meaning these descriptions a client will send. They're trying to describe what they want in musical terms, but it's like, I can't remember who said, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to, you know, and that you can take that quote different ways, but it's difficult for people, especially non-musicians, to describe what they want. You you just kind of have, have to start going and, and then they can say, it's easier to say what they don't want. When you ask me about the podcast music, like a, first, a first good question is just like, it was, you know, who is this for? What's it going to be? Like, who who's listening to this? And realizing, okay, it's a lot of it's your audience from Instagram was my assumption, right? So I, I think I started by just going back in your Instagram feed and getting a vibe for what people said, like, and the stuff you, you were posting. So it gave me like a palette, at least. I knew like, okay, her metaphorical colors are th these and I'm not going to use like bright orange or neon yellow. I'm going to be using more softer tones and thankfully you know we already established that you like my music so i didn't have to try to be something i'm not which never works anyway well okay so you about i want to throw this in here before i forget because anyway i just want to say it like your music to me being a type nine helps me feel peaceful like your music sounds like good movement to me like if good movement had a sound. Thank you. So anyway, sorry to interrupt, but I had to say that. Well, then, yeah, I mean, then that made it, you know, relatively easy for me because you already knew some of my songs. There was one song you, you wanted to use that I don't really have hit songs, but if I have a hit song, <laughs> it's the one that you wanted to use called Making All Things New. And that one's tied up in publishing and record label rights so we could great use. song though if you haven't heard it go please go listen to it it's a fantastic song so i knew you know we kind of 
I had a few reference points. I had your Instagram. I knew that you liked making all things new, the song. So I kind of started from there. And, and then what I normally like to have is, you know, going back to a brief, is a description of words people use to describe what they think they want something to sound like. I can give you an example of like something people say in the industry. Here's a recent one. Our ask is a create is to create a subtle, warm, emotive soundscape that helps support and guide this happy, uplifting story. The story was about single dads supporting one another. I think the scene was like a was baseball game. Style, your your work feels right in line for this. The arrangement should be organic, minimal, and understated. Client isn't keen on percussion or anything too distractingly heavy-handed. Tone, the track should have warmth and emotional depth, but should also lean towards positive, hopeful outlooks. It should have forward momentum. Hey, forward movement. Structurally, the track should have some subtle growth and progression to give the story some shape. So you get the idea. It's like they... Mine was not that structured. Aaron told no, me no. to vomit yeah. words, so I did. <laughs> and then I took those words and I just found your adjectives is what I did because it was a lot of filler stuff, but then you can kind of start to piece it together where like, okay, she's not saying words like anthemic. I don't even Chant, know what that word means. Or like so. anthemic, <laughs> where it's like a big stadium sing-along oh, yeah. uh, song or something that fun or Taylor Swift would sing at a stadium. And, you know, it's not that. So I think that led me to just some tracks I had already done. Tracks meaning I have so much music because so much of the music I do f fails, quote unquote. Like it just doesn't hit. So it ends up going into a Dropbox. And I I knew when, when I was reading your adjectives and when I was talking with you, I, I immediately one track came to mind and it was the one you ended up using as a baseline, as like a, a guitar, as an instrumental sort of thing. So that I just got kind of lucky with that. I think with creative work, it's just you're following intuition and you, as good of a compass as you can have is just the feeling that you're right. And then you, you, you're going to feel like you're right for a second. And then you're going to feel like you're wrong for a long time. And But you just kind of keep working on that first feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorting cattle turns screaming match, unspoken or unmet expectations, unclear hand signals, taking a tongue lashing while backing a trailer, older generation this, younger generation that. If you're in agriculture, chances are you related to at least one of those. These breakdowns in communication have become commonplace in our industry. They become so regular, in fact, that the internet abounds with memes and TikTok videos joking about those very things. But is the humor found in the breakdowns worth the harm it causes in relationships and to our mental health? Good Movement one-on-one -on -one coaching and group trainings are designed to prevent these communication breakdowns by helping farmers, ranchers, and rural folks grow relationally through awareness, understanding, and effective communication. Visit the link in the show notes to see if a Good Movement group training or one-on-one -on -one coaching membership is right for you. Well, I'm glad that that track ended up in the Dropbox and that I got to use it. I think... I'm almost positive now, like looking back, that that was originally for like a Facebook ad that they ended up not using. So sorry, Facebook. Yeah. We got, we got good movement. You snooze, you lose. <laughs> so that was that was just the instrumental part. And then, you know, I read through your keynote. I think we established too that you didn't want a full song or or it wasn't it was gonna be used for the podcast. So it's not like the beginning of a podcast you listen through an entire song that would get that would get pretty heavy for uh, that's just a, a lot of lifting for your listeners so it was more like in between a jingle and a song is kind of a feeling i think you also referenced ted lasso yeah and after i sent that i was like oh my gosh sorry aaron no pressure Mar but marcus mumford yeah i think he wrote i think he did yeah, that one yeah but I wasn't looking for that sound, 
But when I watch Ted Lasso, which I've watched the series like three times fully through, oh, wow. because that whole show is laced in good movement, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. But I always listen to the theme song. Like I never skip the theme song. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what I was hoping for this. Like I wanted people to listen to the words that you wrote and the music and not like hit skip 30 or whatever it is on your podcast player. Sure. And again, no pressure. Hey, if and if they end up doing it, it's all good. Maybe we can we, we can rewrite it later. But at least I think to your point on good movement, you, you just have to start. And I often say I'm not writing a song. I'm writing a song to write another song because it's just one continuation of like trying to get better. And once a song's done, doesn't really mean it's finished. It just means you know it's at the spot it is now. Well, what you came up with was, I think, the perfect piece for the podcast. I appreciate that. It was it was a pleasure. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you sent that email. Yeah, I'm glad for impulsive acts sometimes because I could have easily fallen asleep to that again. But honestly, that was like a really, it was a hard time in my life. My dad had just passed away and I was feeling like stagnant and I didn't want to do the things that I was doing before because for for a lot of reasons that we don't need to get into today. But when you sent that co-writing email and I went back to that, like I wanted to have a song of Aaron's on this podcast, like I just felt excitement that I haven't felt in a long time. And I know that this work that I'm doing with good movement is important. And it took that to get me good movementing on my own again. So... Hmm. Like without knowing it, you really helped me get moving again. It means a lot. And I'm sure, you know, we all need that at times. I certainly do. So I'm glad that I was helpful in that situation. Yeah, I remember, I just remember you, there's a song, Liver and Onions, I think that you connected to. So <laughs> yeah, the, the whole song, all the verses of Liver and Onions are great. But that last verse about going to church with your dad, mm-hmm. like, ooh, that one. And I'd listened to the song before that night, but I hadn't, I didn't remember that that was the last verse. And so, like, I was pretty emotional. <laughs> but I think that's good. It wasn't like not bad emotional. My friend Ashley, she also has a podcast. She's a mental health professional. And she had an episode on her podcast about music and how it helps us feel our feelings. And I think I might have mentioned this to you when we were first emailing back and forth, but your music helps me feel things that I shove down. And that just happened. You just happened to see it in real time that night. There's <laughs> one thing about live music because I, I struggle to play live music. We, it's a whole nother topic, but. But it is, as a songwriter and a singer, like you can see everything playing out in real time in terms of, because it's not like I, it's not like I go to people's houses and, wa- and watch them listen to my music. Or <laughs> I don't, I, don't I, I have no idea how people are listening to my music when they do. They, but it's when you're playing live, you can at least see if it's connecting or what, you know, there are mo- moments when it connects better than others. and. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was a fun night. So, Liver and Onions is from your Up North album, which is I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you wrote it based on your experience growing up in the Midwest. Yeah, it's it's like a it's my version of a well, it's a concept album meaning it's just a very focused collection of songs that are pretty specific to my growing up in small town, northern Minnesota. But it, you know, it started during the pandemic because co-writing slowed. So I normally, the past 10, 12 years here in Nashville, and you can see here in my studio, but people come to my house and we will co-write in this room. The goal is to get a song and most days it happens, but, you know, pandemic hit. So co-writing slowed to a stop and I started two passion projects and 
And one was this concept album and the other was the songwriting book, which we can talk about later or not talk about. We're going to talk about it. So yeah, I, they're all just little vignettes, little story songs. Most of them, I think all of them, which don't really, it's fun for me because in Nashville, you know, I'm trying to make a living. I am making a living. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Writing commercial music, which means everything from film and TV to trying to get somebody to record your songs. I can't be as self-indulgent with those songs because I have to think more like a graphic designer with those, less like an artist. With my own music, when I'm focusing on it, I can I can be more of an artist and dig into the sort of weird winding roads my mind wants to go down and where sometimes I, I have to limit that with typical Nashville co-writing. Not always, but more so. So anyway, it was, it was fun for me to just, I had one goal in mind and that was to make, I had a few people from my hometown in mind when, when I was writing it. And I, my only goal was to picture them, could they hear it and smile listening to it. That was, that was my only goal. So I wrote it for them and it's, you know, it's not on the top 40. It's not, I don't even think it's streaming all that well, but the response has been good. And it's, it's been good for like, you know, connecting with people like you. I get lots of comments about the songs, but it will fail, probably fail to do any sort of anything remotely commercial because it's just, it's a little too specific. So, you know, that Facebook page, I think they might have Instagram too. Midwest versus everybody. No, we need to turn them on to up north. Oh, wow. I didn't know that this was a thing. Yeah. Like they have the, the whole Midwest goodbye. They have all kinds of memes about living in the Midwest. And I feel like up north would be right up their alley. Yeah. It's a great, I don't know how many listeners tune in from the Midwest, but if you're tuning in from the Midwest, you're going to love this album. And if you're not, you're going to listen to it anyway. And then you're going to understand those of us who grew up in the Midwest just a little bit more. Yeah. And hopefully there's like a song or two where it's just, it connects on some, I don't know. You you just, you just never know. I, I, you try to write a song from your own experience to then connect with people at a more universal level, but sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, you're right. Like worst case scenario, you will you will have a better understanding of us Midwestern friends. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding your Midwest friends is also part of good movement because good movement is about self and social awareness and understanding across the board. So I love that question related to like the genesis of good movement with cattle how does it start with you with us like with the person like we have to be we have to be aware of ourselves and our energy and how what we're doing or our position or our posture or like literally your energy i'm a nine i don't have a lot of energy tom is a one he has way more energy than i do so just us standing in the pen with the cattle, they react differently to me than him just based off our energy. So you have to be aware of that. And then you have to be aware of how what you're doing is affecting them and kind of like they don't speak English, obviously. But all, so in, in that regard, they're more complicated than humans. But then on the flip side of that, they don't experience emotions like humans do. Mm-hmm. They don't have all of the but so they feel Stop. an energy that's yeah. similar to a, a dog or yes yeah yeah so this concept of good movement it applies across the board it doesn't matter what species you're interacting with it always starts with you and then beyond that like you have to be aware of cattle behavior dog behavior human behavior and and with humans it's a little more tricky because their behavior is one thing, but then whatever's motivating that behavior is different, right? Because we can have the same behaviors. Like I have a hard time getting moving. You have a hard time getting moving. Mm-hmm. My my lack of movement is because I don't want to cause conflict. 
yours is because you have a hard time trusting. And so it's a whole thing, but the basic principles apply no matter what species you're interacting with. That's a, that's a really good um, point about cattle and animals don't have, I mean, what you see is what you're getting, right? Mm -hmm. There's no, like they, they don't fake emotion. My dog doesn't fake that he's happy to see me. <laughs> let's 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 hope. <laughs> doesn't that make you feel good? That's real because you can't fake it. <laughs> uh, yeah, makes me. Yeah, that makes me happy. So your new book is called "On Songwriting: Practical <laughs> Tips and Insights from a Decade in Music City," and it came out in November. And I have had the pleasure of, at the time of this recording, starting it. I'm about halfway through, I think. And there's a common thread of good movement. Like I read good movement in this book. So can you tell us more about the book, what it is, who it's for, what inspired it, all the things? It started as kind of a question I had, like if my kids ever were to ask me, Dad, I want to be a, a songwriter. I want to like do what you're doing and try to make it as a living. What would I tell them? And so they were the first audience. Like, okay, you know, what have I learned here in the last 10 years if I had to distill it into something very simple and instructional and hopefully a little entertaining? What would I say? And so they were the first people I had in mind. But the second person I was writing it for was like basically me, 29 year old me, who, you know, in 2010 or 11 was with Heidi driving across the country trying to make it as a songwriter. So I, like, you just don't know what questions to ask. It's like you don't know what you don't know. There's so many things. So the book was also written for that type of person who's like taking their music more seriously, their songs, wanting wanting something a little bit more, but also those who just want a little more insight into the craft and business side of music. And, you know, I divided it into five sections and they're like the sections, they're, they're the things I and I think most songwriters struggle with and that's craft. So just like the basic, you know, mechanics of songwriting, like where does the verse go? Where, like what structure, like how do you navigate just the, the, the surface level stuff of songwriting? And then the second one is mindset. So it's just, you know, different ways about thinking about songs and approaching it. So, you know, even just like you sharing about good movement and cattle, that's a mindset shift. Uh, a lot of songwriting and making it in this business for me has been just mindset shifts. So portion of the books devoted to that. And then the third section is dealing with your inner critic. I feel like that could be its own book. <laughs> the fifth section is on co-writing. So just more like collaboration. and then. Uh, the fifth is on the music industry. Like, you know, if you want to try and make a buck at this, like, what do you need to know? So, tried to make it not super tied to technology or what social media, like, there's no TikTok strategies. <laughs> there's no um, stuff like that. But it's very basic, you know, principles for that you can, that you can apply to whatever season. I have no idea, you know, in, 10, 15 years, what the music industry is going to look like. But I have a feeling a lot of the stuff I'm sharing will still be relevant because it's dealing more with foundational stuff. And then hopefully you can apply that to whatever. So yeah, it's a book for songwriters, but really any creative person. I think I'm still reading about mindset yet. I'm on page like 50. So I'm not quite halfway, 50 something, I think. But I was thinking, you know, this is on songwriting, but it's also the things that you're describing so far, as far as I've gotten, are really kind of, they're going to be helpful for me just in my creative writing or, you know, like 
your one tip was to make things easy. Like your guitar is right next to you all the time in case things hit. So like if you're a writer of not music, but the written word, have mm-hmm. a notebook ready. Yeah. Or I don't know. I My ideas come to me a lot of times when I, I prefer to write on with pen and paper, but they come to me when I don't have a pen and paper. So I have to use the notes of my phone and then the mm-hmm. ideas get lost in that because there's a lot of ideas. And I don't know. That's one of the things that I, after this week, because we're recording the week of Thanksgiving, after this week, I have an accountability buddy who also has a lot of ideas that she doesn't flush out. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to check in with each other. What idea are you flushing out? That's great. I'm the same. I I like to have it on paper because I get too distracted with my phone. I When I open my phone, I automatically feel like I've jumped into the cereal aisle in a grocery store and I'm just looking. I forgot why I'm in there. Oh, same. If I'm looking for, you know, pop or cereal and forget about my idea. It's, I'm just a lot, then I'm on social media, then I'm, so I'm not, I'm not very good with that. So Anne Lamott had, have you ever read Bird by Bird? It's, but I'm writing that down. It's one of the best books on creative writing across the board. Like nobody's really said, oh, this, this book sucks. (laughs) Um, And she's amazing. But what she does, I don't know if she still does it because she wrote this pre like smartphones, but she has a recipe card and she folds it in half and has it in her pocket. And then she always carries a pen. I always, I, I didn't today for some reason, but I always have a recipe card in my, I almost always wear pocket t-shirts and I almost always do that so that I can just write it down and I don't get so distracted but the recipe card approach might be helpful for somebody in your audience I don't I don't know works for me but yeah I mean you got to at least yeah you have to at least write it down I hate it when songwriters say well if it's good we'll remember it later <laughs> that I have a lot of good ideas that I think I will never forget that. And then mm-hmm. I forget it. Yeah. If you're taking your if you're taking the work seriously or if you're, you're trying to be somewhat prolific or have a, you know, a career, then then you I mean, writing it down is just that's step one, you know. I should say, I think they're good ideas. <laughs> Not they are good ideas. <laughs> no, I mean so I for me it's a process of getting the ideas into one bucket and then reviewing them and getting the next ideas into a so for me a, an idea has to surprise me twice like because in the moment I'm biased towards that idea they're like my my new child of course I'm going to love them <laughs> 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 even like 5 days I hear it and it doesn't surprise me in the same way then it then I don't put it into the next bucket. For me, it has to hit me, hit me twice in order to, if I were in my twenties, I could just sit down and work on every idea. But because I'm in my forties with four kids, I have to have more of a system to my time. And so that's, that's what's worked for me is to, you know, I guess rule number one, get your ideas down. Then rule number two, review them and put the ones that surprise you twice into another bucket. And then I pick one from there and I go start chipping on it. Then an accountability buddy is also like that's that's pro level stuff. (laughs) But another thing that you talk about in the book, or at least the part of the book that I've read so far is I'm I'm not going to say it the same way as you, but like, don't discount mundane. And you talk about your morning routine and how it seems really mundane and kind of boring. But when you, that's when you're looking at it from like high level view. But then when you zoom in, there's all these different pieces. And that's like next level mindfulness stuff right there and next level self awareness stuff right there. Like that's also just good movement stuff. Like I think we're sometimes just so aware of what we're doing doing that like not not even in a songwriting or creative writing aspect but just life in general we take for granted these simple things but when you really get to looking at them they're not actually that simple and they're kind yeah. of interesting and and we have you know 
you doing work with cattle, there's so many things you're doing that are mundane to you because you've been doing it for so long. And it's not like you can be excited about it every single <laughs> day. I mean, you know, and nobody can. We'd, we'd all probably go crazy. For me, mundane is a good litmus test of what you might be good at writing about because you're so close to the subject that you've forgotten that it's interesting to other people. So, you know, things that you're doing on a daily basis, you could break one of those down into something very interesting. You could have a, you know, you could have a song called, trying to think of a cattle term, some something where it just digs into just one specific area. Here's something that comes to mind for me because sometimes this is kind of, this is a pain point I want to push on with <laughs> in our industry, but sometimes people are like, sorting cattle is like, or sorting cattle with your spouse is like marriage counseling because it's the other black one. And no, I meant the other black one. And it ends up in yelling and screaming between husband and wife. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be that way yeah. with, with good movement toward, you know, they might have good movement in their cattle, but it's not good movement, husband to wife and wife to husband. So, I mean, we could break down sorting cattle yeah. as this, I guess if you're screaming about it, it's not that mundane, but this is fresh in my sorting is fresh in yeah. my mind because we just sorted all of the calves that were born on our unit of the ranch this year. So, but there are so many, so many songs in that one topic of, you know, sorting cattle that you could take it a lot of different directions. I mean, that's just one, just miscommunicating is just one, one area, but you know, there's all kinds of, you, you kind of start with the, start with what interest what you're most curious about or what interests you and then you kind of discover along the way what's universal about it whether it's about loneliness or communication or or about like how bad your feet hurt when you take 30,000 steps cuz you're sorting <laughs> <laughs> so we sorted for steers and heifers so girl calves and boy calves and then we brought mm -hmm. them back and we sorted for little heifers and big heifers, big steers and little steers. So four sorts. And that was a lot of time on my feet that day. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, even just as you're talking, just four sorts is, is a great like start to a song. It's, it's about sorting, but it's also about kinds of people or kinds of creatures. Oh, maybe, maybe there's, maybe we should co-write again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I really am so thankful that you came on the podcast today. And I've really enjoyed our conversation here. I've enjoyed working with you through this podcasting project. Would you tell everyone where they can find you? I think the best way is just to go to AaronSB.com and probably sign up for the newsletter. That's that's what I spend most of my, versus social media and other things, I spend the most love on my newsletter. And then from there, you can, I would say that's the gateway. And then you can find me other, where, other places as well, at Aaron SB. Yeah, thanks for asking. That'd be great. AaronSB.com or, or I'm on the socials as well. He's on the socials in several places because he has page for his book and a page for his art watercolor art and poetry and also i just want to plug your newsletter because you have your three on thursday super interesting three different topics you touch on and then you also created a separate newsletter for up north news yeah yeah i i'm getting a bit like i honestly really love the newsletter format so that's partly why I'm, but I'm I'm not a fan of artists who just send me when they have a new t-shirt or when they're touring. That's just me. I know some people only want to hear from them when that happens. But for me, I I like trying to have an interesting newsletter for people who like my music, but also just kind of want behind the scenes stuff on the industry. And just so I. I try to see myself as a resource for anybody interested in singer-songwriter stuff or Nashville stuff. 
Yeah, but I also have uh, the watercolor. I'm I'm at this point now where it's like you can't be too many things, otherwise people get lost. So that's why I'm creating different pages so that Aaron Espy isn't like the author watercolorist editor of a newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) I can, I should really just be like singer songwriter, songwriter guy for the Aaron Espy part. And that's, that's why all the different pages. But anyway, you're welcome to, your listeners are welcome to, to find me wherever and send me a message too. Cause I, I always respond and, and that's a great way to just connect and we'll link all the places that you can find Aaron in the show notes. So it's just a click of a link yeah. to find him. We don't we don't want to be like typing more than we have to. Right. Here here we are keep carrying note cards and notebooks to write. <laughs> and some people get worried about typing too much. Listen, it's gonna be three clicks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because you gotta click the see more on the show notes. And then you have to scroll a little ways and then it's all there. Actually, Aaron, Aaron's website is always linked in the show notes because he is the songwriter behind the music. So that's nice of you. You didn't, you, you don't have to do that, but that's really kind. Thank you. Well, yeah, we do. I mean, I want to. So we do. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. And I appreciate this time together again uh-huh. and all that you've done for the show. So thank you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. And yeah, excited to talk again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm so grateful for you. If you found value in this episode, I'd love for you to share with others who might also benefit from tuning in. Share by word of mouth, send it in a text, take a screenshot and post it on social media, or share however you prefer. And if you haven't already, hit the follow or subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Until next time, draw good movement.